the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. Is it Wednesday? Yes, it is, John. Very nice. Are you surprised by that? A, a little bit, because I was really? thinking today was Tuesday. It's funny, it's like 4.05. You've, you've had several hours to come to grips with it. <laughs> <laughs> All day long. Of the, excuse me. This little piece of trail mix caught my throat. <laughs> right. So, so your cough's back. It is back. What is happening? I have no it's idea. It's just, I don't even know what to I say about it. I don't know. Did you hear it? Yeah. And my, hear, my, hear my voice? Yeah, I hear no. it. Wait, do I have to cough? I mean. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what it is. Oh. I, I'm just going to. Re- and here's the worst thing. My wife now has it. Oh, well, maybe you're maybe you're newly infected. Like maybe if she got it, no. maybe you both got another no, virus. it never went away. No, it was just suppressed. By the steroids and the antibiotics. And that whole thing is over, and now I'm still doing this. Anyway, I'm tired of thinking about it, talking about it, living with it. You know? Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, uh, why seminary is worth it for women. Mm-hmm. I, our audience has a, uh, a cross-section of beliefs on how women should serve in the church, what the biblical uh, basis is for that, yeah. and how uh, how churches should respond. Uh, but Leanna Davis is going to be with us at 510 to talk about kind of regardless of where you come down on that issue, why seminary is still worth it for or, women. Or if you're a pastor or not. Right? Exactly. Yeah, so looking forward to that um, at 510. Also, uh, we're turning our attention to the question box. Oh, yeah. In our second hour. This has a deep history in our lives. Mm-hmm, it does. It comes from dumpster diving. Yeah. John and I went dumpster diving one time. Uh, right? Years ago. Yeah, years ago right down here at the elevator on our floor at seven parkway center mm-hmm. and we pulled out this game and i mean it's given us hours of contemplation uh, yeah, uh, an online conversation mm-hmm. so this nice plexiglass box uh-huh. there was an advertising agency across the hall what were those guys names i forget we just know the one guy johnny, johnny. i love who's johnny lo- love, hilarious yeah, man great guy yeah, so this is our dumpster diving question box. We'll go to that today. Yeah, that's going to be at uh, 535. Also, in the 4 o'clock hour, um, the great de-churching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? This book has engendered a ton of conversation around our nation and around its churches. People so talking. we're happy to have one of the authors, Jim Davis, with us today. And uh, we're going to be turning our attention to that in just a couple of minutes. Excellent. Very Plus, nice. uh, new words have uh, been added to the dictionary. All right. Have you? Do you know what they are? Uh, I know a few of them. Okay, I know a few of them. Kind of confused. I wonder me a if we knows bit. the same. One, I know the same ones. All right, find out. Now listen. Here's the good news, right? They caught the guy. Yes, they caught the guy. All right. So then, without they further ado, bring us the uh, update of uh, them catching the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's appropriately vague. <laughs> them catching the guy. What was he playing hide and seek? Yeah, he kind of was. I actually. think I'll give you some better details. All right. Thank you. Without further ado, here's the top four at four. For Tuesday, September 12th, 2023, number one, 
The two-week search for a convicted murderer who escaped from a PA prison ended today after Danello Calvalcante was captured. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro, Josh Shapiro, I have a hard time with his name getting that out, and Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens of the PA State Police confirmed at a news conference that Cavalcante was apprehended just after 8 a.m. by members of a tactical team leading the manhunt with no shots fired. Apparently, uh, tactical teams converged on an area in Westchester County where an aircraft had picked up a heat signal overnight. A quote-unquote burglar alarm sounded around midnight at a residence within the perimeter. Officers did not find the man they were searching for or anyone else at the residence when they investigated the alarm. But the heat signal eventually leading to his capture was detected in that area after 1 a.m. Aircraft began to track it. Cavalcante tried to escape by crawling through underbrush, taking his rifle with him, but he was subdued by a police dog and forcibly taken into custody after resisting officers. Cavalcante sustained, quote, a minor bite wound, but there were no other injuries. You can run, but you cannot hide. Read more about that at CBS News. Number two, the iPhone of a prominent Russian journalist whose news outlet has effectively been outlawed by President Vladimir Putin was infected with Pegasus spyware this year in the first known case of the powerful eavesdropping tool being used against a significant Russian target. Apparently, John, the spyware installed while the phone's owner, Galina Timchenko, who's the owner of the news outlet Medusa, was in Germany for for a meeting with other exiled Russian journalists to discuss all the new restrictions, ironically, that their home country had imposed on the Internet and in the media. So, of course, this raises questions about who hacked her phone while she was in a Western democracy. It wasn't like somebody was hacking it at home. It happened while she was in Germany. Um, They haven't been able to determine who did it. Leading suspects, of course, include Russia. Uh, The month before this happened, Moscow had labeled Medusa, this news agency, 10 million monthly readers in Russia. They had labeled it, uh, the government had an undesirable organization effectively outlawing it. Read more about that in the Washington Post. And number three, the initiation of an impeachment investigation against a president you'd think would be earth-shaking, but when House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced the opening of a probe into Joe Biden, it felt kind of like an inevitable consequence. Anyway, McCarthy argued that the impeachment inquiry was the logical next step amid the Republican claims that the president was enriched by his son Hunter's business ventures when he was vice president. And number four, the National 4-H Council is growing in a new direction. Tell me. Online. 4-H online? Mm-hmm. That's your top four at four. Really? 4-H you know, online? Yeah. It's a collaboration with Netflix, mm. which I think is kind of an interesting idea. It's called Spy Kids. Uh, or, excuse me. The learning platform is called Clover, but it's collaborating with Netflix and Netflix's new movie called Spy Kids Armageddon. So it's supposed to allow... Like the 4-H experience to provided for pe- to be provided for kids who don't have access to oh, a 4-H club. I like that. Right? So they're going to talk about farming, space exploration, yeah. even things like financial literacy, stress management, all those sorts of things. But it's going to be apparently more engaging and they're going to use, I don't know, a mixture of entertainment and game craft. Well, I've, <clears throat> I've milked a virtual cow 
See, I know how that works. So maybe Is that what they're going to do. I think maybe, and you would be perhaps given a little badge for that, Gary. Oh really? boy! I mean, a depending on how you performed, uh, if you did a bad job on it online, you wouldn't get clean, anything. A lot cleaner and less smelly. Mm-hmm. Well, not less smelly yeah. mm-hmm. My wife was a member of 4-H. Was she? Yeah, she has fond memories of doing um, demonstrations of how to cut a chicken properly. Oh, yeah. You, you mean to kill it, yes. or just how mm-hmm. to? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, they used to have those dark blue uh, jackets they wore to school. That's right. Yeah, yeah. The 4-H members. Exactly, mm-hmm. right, yeah. yeah. So the, I, don't, uh, I don't know if you get any, like, clothing accoutrement mm, by just doing the Netflix not, online yeah. version. But it's like city kids are learning country skills. That's what I would yeah, think would I, The thing I liked about it is they actually seem to be acknowledging that country skills are important. Very important. Because for a lot of people like us, of course, who live in cities, we act like you know we don't know where our food comes from and we don't care. Right, until the power goes out. Exactly, and, and then all of a sudden we care a lot. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We do come back. America is losing religious faith. We're going to talk about the great de-churching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? That's straight ahead. It's the ride home. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's 101.5 Word FM. That's W-O-R-D. 101.5 W-O-R-D. Get ready for an unforgettable night of laughter with the hilarious comedian Jeff Allen. I'm in my chair at home. Every man, you have a chair, don't you, sir? Darn right, you have a chair. If you ever went missing, they give a cushion in that chair to a bloodhound, wouldn't they? Find that smell! Don't miss your chance to see Jeff Allen's comedy tour. Are we there yet? And then they revive the dog and send him on his way. Word FM presents Jeff Allen Friday, October 6th at Impact Christian Church, Moon Township. Tickets and Word FM fan club discounts now at wordfm.com. Former CIA officer and survival expert Jason Hansen here. I teach people how to prepare for the unexpected. Right now, most Americans are not ready for the death of the U.S. dollar. You have money sitting in cash, and if you don't act soon, your financial future could be at risk. I have partnered with Advantage Gold, the number one rated precious metals company in America, to release my new digital dollar survival kit that's 100% free for everyone who calls today and claims your free survival kit. Simply call 800-900-8000 and give your email address, and I will have this new digital dollar survival kit sent to you immediately. Call 1-800-900-8000 now and claim your free kit. And also mention my name, Jason Hansen, and see how you could also qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Supplies are limited, so call right now before it's too late. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Do you find joy in helping others? Turn it into a rewarding career at LifeSteps. LifeSteps is hiring caregivers to bring joy into the lives of individuals with disabilities. Full-time and part-time positions available with opportunities close to home. No degree or experience necessary. LifeSteps offers flexible schedules, paid training, and generous benefits. Make a difference today. Call 724-283-1010 or visit LifeSteps.net. LifeSteps is an equal opportunity employer. When you commit insurance fraud, life can be full of surprises. Like when Jake of Jenkintown, PA, started submitting false insurance claims. Little did he know, the claims adjuster thought Jake's claims were suspicious. So he sent them to the insurance company's special investigation unit. Jake was surprised when an investigator called him to discuss his claims. He never thought anyone would start digging around. I thought SIU units were only on TV. 
Jake was even more surprised when he was visited by a special agent from the Attorney General's Office Insurance Fraud Section. Jake was arrested and prosecuted for insurance fraud. He's facing jail time and thousands of dollars in fines and attorney fees. Moral of the story, don't be surprised. Insurance fraud is a felony, and more than 400 people in Pennsylvania are arrested for it each year. Know the risks, know the penalties. To learn more, visit HelpStopFraud.org. A message to consumers from the Pennsylvania Insurance Fraud Prevention Authority. We are currently experiencing the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of our country. Jim Davis and Michael Graham have written a book called The Great De-Churching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Uh, here's Here's the truth. The big religious shifts of the past were the periodic great awakenings that beginning in the mid 1700s led to surges in religious attendance now this is the opposite some 40 million americans once went to church but have stopped going mostly in the last quarter century and what they write is that more people have left the church in the last 25 years than all new people who became christians from the first great awakening the Second Great Awakening, and Billy Graham Crusades combined. That is a lot of people. Wow. Now, this is not a surprise to those of us who go to church because we've seen the numbers around us on Sundays or Saturday nights or whenever slowly declining. But I think the the number of them is what's so shocking. The fact that it's happening, uh, we've all seen... When you look at those numbers, it, it it does feel like we're in the middle of something overwhelming. Yep. Jim Davis is with us, along with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge. They have written The Great Dechurching. Jim Davis is a teaching pastor at Orlando Grace Church, host of the As in Heaven podcast, and he joins us now. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate the uh, research and work that you guys put into this book. Uh, it's obviously been the subject of a ton of conversation all across our country, um, as is appropriate. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do justice to it in the amount of time we have, but we're sure going to try. Um, but instead of starting in our current time, I think I want to start where John started when you were just coming on the air, which was um, the three periods of rapid growth we had in the U.S., um, talk about what we can learn from those and then how it's the same or different than we see this decline now. Yeah, that's a really good question. So most people, um, you know, kind of think of 1776 as uh, a time when everybody went to church in the United States. But really, it was just about 17 percent of of those living in the newly formed United States of America. Of course, the the first Great Awakening had a big impact. Then the second Great Awakening had a big impact. Uh, that the second Great Awakening being after 1776. And then what most people don't realize is the largest uh, religious shift that we've had in our country previous to now was actually the 25 years post Civil War. Um, our shift now, you talked about the numbers, but yeah. in terms of percentage, is 25% times greater than that, just going the opposite direction. Wow. Okay. So. Yeah, when we look at the the Civil War numbers, we can't. I mean, what was going on in the country was obviously unprecedented. We haven't seen anything like it since. So to right. think that that impacted how people looked at church and what their beliefs were is just makes sense. Uh, but this 
doesn't make as much sense to me. Um, maybe it does to you. So talk about what happened starting in the 1990s and why we're going in the opposite direction. Yeah, the 1990s was really the beginning of uh, of what we're seeing. So the the number of people going to church, of course, the nuns, Ryan Berger, the book, The Nuns, um, that group, which means you know no religious affiliation in particular, that group was just steadily and slowly climbing, um, but very, very like a point, you know, a year through the 70s, which was our high watermark, and then the 80s. But in the 90s, it really started with the end of the Cold War. Uh, you know, before, during the Cold War, to be Christian and to be American, those were almost synonymous, synonymous terms. I can remember as a kid, if somebody said, I'm not a Christian, it wasn't uncommon for the next question to be, well, are you a communist? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's during true. The, it was our, our, our struggle against the godless atheists. And that's when, uh, not by coincidence, uh, in the, under the Eisenhower administration, we got, uh, in God we trust on our money and under God on our, uh, in our pledge. That's the Cold War is what brought that about. So when the Cold War ended, there was freedom for the first time to culturally be an American, a patriotic American, but not a Christian. At the same time, of course, the internet is coming, not just a, about three years later after the fall of the Soviet Union, internet cafes come about. Uh, internet is also in libraries, in, uh, in schools. So for the first time, you could not only you could not only voice your um, in certain well in certain areas of the country you could say I'm not a Christian and that wasn't a big deal. In other areas, you still couldn't really talk about it, especially in the South. But you had access online to uh, interact and research other worldviews, and then there really was something to the rise of the religious right politically. Mm -hmm. And our feeling is that that some of that you know the the religious right, some people who really already didn't want to be Christian would look at that and say, or didn't want to identify as Christian, would look at that and say, well, if that's Christian, I'm out. You know, so what's interesting is in 2001, so we're just past the close of the decade, of course, 9-11 happens, which we just remembered well yesterday. And, and now, all overnight, our country's enemies are no longer godless atheists, but religious fundamentalists. Then you have a whole other crew who would say, well, if that's what religion does, I'm out. And the feeling is in the 90s, people were de-churching on the secular left. And, and many of them from mainline Roman Catholic churches, uh, looking at their orthodoxy scores, they probably weren't Christians to believe to begin with. And mm. these gave them the excuses they were looking for. Now you fast forward to today and the secular right is de-churching at twice the speed of the secular left. Hmm. So, Jim, uh, there you are as a pastor in Orlando. Now, um, of course, uh, you know, Orlando, uh, necessarily the center of Mickey Mouse land, but, you know, you know Orlando <laughs> well, and um, you and Michael Graham get together, um, and, and of course, in a little bit of a bubble in some way, because Orlando is a hotbed of evangelical ministry. W what was it that raised the idea of, hey, something's really amiss that caused you and Michael to get together and start to talk about the, the great de-churching? Yeah, it's funny that you, you, you mentioned, you know, that Orlando is, you know, in the 1990s, it felt like Orlando was becoming a kind of Christian Mecca. You had Reformed Theological Seminary moved here, and then you had Campus Crusade for Christ, the largest missions organization, you know, parachurch missions organization in the world. You had other, about a dozen other ministries. Some of the churches in Orlando were particularly um, nationally known. And then in 2017, uh, Barna did a report, actually came out in 18, but the research was from 17, that Orlando had the same percentage of evangelicals as New York City and Seattle. 
and it, it just struck us. Wow, in a pla- in a place that has a lot fewer uh, people population wise. We said, we, it's the Orlando metropolitan area, which would include Melbourne and Daytona. Okay. But the percentage was the same. And, and, it, and what we started to think about is why then does Orlando feel so different than New York and Seattle culturally? And it was easy to see most of the people that we interacted with who don't go to church, they used to. And they still carried with them some of their uh, religious foundation. And in, in many cases, we looked at them and, and it seemed like they're Christians. They just weren't going to church. And, you know, at the same time, we're hearing, you know, you hear on from Twitter pundits in the New York Times, it seems like everybody leaving the church is has deconverted. They're angry at the church. They want nothing to do with the faith. But that wasn't our experience. They didn't seem to all be monolithically in that category. Interesting. And it just led us to want to do more research. But there was no research to find. Hmm. So then you find Ryan Burge. Ryan's a regular guest on our show. And his ministry, and it certainly is a ministry, is very deep in the numbers. I mean, he's high in the grass looking at Christianity in this country. And he supports the numbers, creates the numbers to talk about the rise and fall of Christianity. Yeah. Ryan is a jewel. He's a diamond in rough people should really i mean he is a true expert in data and religion in the united states and we were so thankful to meet him mm-hmm. uh to be connected to him because i mean his the research that we're writing from is top-notch academically peer-reviewed you know the, it couldn't even be done until the science behind it was verified and uh, he and his partner paul jupe did this and i'm just so thankful and one of the reasons that what people don't realize one of the reasons books like this are not written very often is because it's because the research is so expensive we had to raise a hundred thousand dollars just to do the research so we're never going to make money on the book um and books like this are not are not money makers because the research costs so much money but our goal is not to make money our goal is to start a national conversation about something that is happening and it feels like we don't understand what's happening mm-hmm. very well as as a church. We're talking to Jim Davis. Jim is the teaching pastor at Orlando Grace Church, host of As It Is in Heaven podcast on the Gospel Coalition podcast network. But we're talking about his new book he's co-written with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge called The Great Dechurching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Um, I'm going to propose that we go to break early, uh, Jim. And then when we come back, let's um, start and talk about um, the missed generational handoff, which I thought was one of the most interesting chapters in your book, so many people who are looking at kids who are in high school or college um, and whose kids aren't interested in church are wondering what happened. Um, And so uh, we want to ask you what happened. So stay close to us, Jim. And for all of you out there listening, it is the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. We'll be right back. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, remodeling. Family owned and operated since 1984 and home of the lifetime workmanship and labor warranty and no money down. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or visit roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com for details. Donald Trump warned America. The U.S. dollar is under attack and it's becoming less and less valuable by the day. Hyperinflation and speculation is killing your retirement. Don't leave your money sitting in cash. It's time you diversified and protected your future with physical precious metals. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and get your free digital dollar survival kit and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver today. 
Call Advantage Gold now at 800-900-8000 to get your free digital dollar survival kit. And you may qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Advantage Gold is the number one rated gold and silver company in America. Your future is precious. Protect it today when you call Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000 now. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. That's 800-900-8000. Just because time marches on doesn't mean your skin has to. Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont helps you turn back the clock with Smooth Glow, the revolutionary age-defying non-surgical solution to sagging skin, sunspots, and fine lines. You'll see immediate, long-lasting improvements in as little as one 45-minute treatment. Get the celebrity sought-after look without injectables. Defy your age at Chilled to Perfection, where your results are their business. Visit ChilledToPerfectionPGH.com. People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Reuter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Reuter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412 Router 2 today. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? 724 New Roof. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Hey, Pittsburgh. I'm Father Paul Abernathy, CEO of the Neighborhood Resilience Project. There's a lot to consider when it comes to your child's health, but I know getting our children vaccinated with all CDC-recommended doses at the scheduled time is important to help protect them from serious illnesses. A number of immunizations are recommended by the CDC before age two. Visit vaccinateourchildren.com to find information on how you can get your children up to date with their immunizations. A message from the Urban League of Greater Pittsburgh in partnership with Pfizer. We'll see clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. A jacket may come in handy. Expect a nighttime low of 50. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 70. A starry night on tap for tomorrow night with a low of 48. Plenty of sunshine to round out the work week Friday. It'll be pleasant. We'll see a high Friday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. You might be someone who spent time in church and over COVID or perhaps even before COVID, you decided it wasn't really worth your time. Or perhaps you know people who used to be friends of yours at church. You still go, but they don't. Um, This is a wide audience, and so people are going to come at this from different perspectives. But whatever your perspective, the new book called The Great Dechurching, Who's Leaving, Why Are They Going, and What Will It Take to Bring Them Back, is worth your time. We're talking to author Jim Davis. Jim, I mentioned before the break that we're going to talk about the the handoff uh, between parents and kids. But before we do that, John brought up something in the break I think is probably important for us to talk about first. I I think about this, Jim, and I don't know if there's a lot of truth to this, but I, I believe there is, at least from my perspective. When I look at the rise of cable television in the last 60 years, and then, of course, along with cable television, the 24-7 presence of pastors, televangelists like Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swaggart, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, uh, Creflo Dollar, Joyce Meyer, all those presence, those personalities, all that preaching and teaching, say what you will about it, it was 24-7. 
and it made its way into mainstream America, so much so that it was often time to parody itself on Saturday Night Live and other comedy shows. People who would never step inside a church in many ways knew these people culturally. And I believe in some ways that essentially poisoned the pot in some way that made people who may have been curious about entering into a church flee in the opposite direction. What do you think about that? I think sadly some of that's true and when I talk about the, the rise of the religious right, um, you know, that we, are, we do see an effect for people. I think people who consciously already don't want to be a part of it or they're growing up in the church and they, they, don't, they don't want to stay, I think it's more of an of a maybe more of an excuse or a reason saying if that's what christianity is i don't want any part of it i think the people who are are actually interested in reasoning out what christianity is will make their way past that but technology as a whole you know it's it's morally neutral and it can be used for good or for bad and sometimes we can score own goals if you want to use a soccer term uh in the way that we use it as christians Mm mm-hmm so what about the things that um, the things that are altering? It's not just TV because it's all sorts of digital media. You know, there are pastors on TikTok. Um, there's mm-hmm. stuff online. You can see endless sermons or endless whatever you want on YouTube. How much is that digital appearance of Christianity um, changing how people become nuns? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, and Ryan Burge would definitely be the expert on that question. But, you know, we, we, I, I can't help but think about this outside of the, the data that we have in front of us where there are people who are pointing to uh, specific pain points as to why they left the church. Hmm. But the number one reason for leaving the church in our study was I moved. Really? <laughs> I mean, 30 million of the 40 million people who have left church in, uh, in the past 25 years have done so without any major pain point. They, they've got, they've developed. Really? Other... So they're not angry at the church. They haven't been injured by the church or they, Correct. It, it, they you fall out of the habit and fail to reconnect. Right. I mean, so you, we, we see moving is the number one reason. And so we have that, that's changed even some of our ministry strategies here in Orlando as people move here and as people move away. But, uh, you know, some people, their kids got really involved in uh, athletics and Sunday morning is when travel sports happen. I talked to a sweet Christian woman who had three kids in seven leagues and Sunday morning just wasn't available anymore. Hmm. Um, and then becoming a single parent, however that happens, uh, often causes people to have to work long hours or unusual hours. So if Sunday morning is even available to them anymore, um, they're tired, they're worn out. And so they're, and actually what we've seen is, is de-churching is affecting the lower educated, lower income brackets much more than the middle and upper classes mm. Be- because those That's life change changes hit them uh, harder. So that's interesting. So you do talk about this in the great de-churching that uh, the more educated class of people tend to be the ones who populate churches now. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Only three percent of evangelicals in our study who had a master's degree had de-churched. So, so education is uh, the more educated an evangelical is. There's no question the more likely they are 
to stay in church, which which challenges the uh, traditional boogeyman of higher secular education taking our children away. Yeah, it really does. I mean, of all the things you've I mean, there are a lot of things in this book that were surprising, but that was one of the big ones is I just I would never have expected that. Especially because yeah, we the, didn't either. And, no, go ahead, yeah. Jim. You finish. Well, well, we didn't expect it either, and it's something that Ryan Burge has continued to develop on, and, and he has some really interesting stats and theories um, on that online for people to Google. Mm. It also challenges um, our perspective that, uh, like, I guess the mainline media perspective, which is that people who believe in God are dumb or are anti-science. It does. It really does. So then where does this lead us all? If all these millions and millions of people have left the church simply because they moved, how does the church respond to that? I mean, how do you capture people? What's the welcome mat look like in those places where people are leaving rust belts and moving to, you know, the the sun belts? Yeah, and this is so as a city that's receiving a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've really tried to mobilize our you know first responders of sorts to new people in our city. So school administrators, teachers, mm-hmm. realtors, who are the people who first meet new people? And and there's the there's an assumption that oh I'm going to show them a house or a school and 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 if they're Christian they'll find a church. But we're kind of challenging them to to help them make that. Uh, uh, that connection sooner than later. But I really think a lot, as a lot of churches, we need to, before we can really effectively look at the welcome mat, I, I think we need to look at the exit door and understand why people are leaving our churches in our context. And we're going to learn a lot through that. And some, some of it's hard to hear, but the truth is our friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. We're talking to Jim Davis. He co-wrote The Great Dechurching with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge. Uh, Jim, we're up against another break, but when we come back, let's go to what I was talking about with the missed handoff. Um, a lot of people are wondering what's going on with their kids. Um, so we'll talk about it next. Glad you're along. It's the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's here. 101.5 Word FM. W-O-R-D. W-O-R-D. Pastors and ministry leaders, Word FM would like to say thank you for all you do to serve God's people and our great city. Come have lunch on us Thursday, October 12th aboard the Gateway Clippers Empress. It's our Pastors and Ministry Leaders Appreciation Cruise, a free event for senior and associate pastors, ministry leaders, and their spouses. Enjoy fellowship, a great meal, and beautiful views of our city skyline. Free tickets will go fast, so reserve now at wordfm.com. Sponsored by Capital Ministries and Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Donald Trump's indictment proves that saving America is not going to be easy. There are entrenched powers that are fighting this with everything they've got. They want to keep control over the country, the narrative, and the nation's money supply. Hi, I'm Lance Wall now. I'm a news analyst, a Christian author, and evangelical leader. I speak to millions of people every week, people just like you. You see, what the elites are doing is using inflation and government handouts and now central bank digital currencies to determine how they're going to control America. And that's why I recommend all Christians start a gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group, because physical precious metals are one of the few ways you can maintain control over your own savings. To get a free info kit on gold IRAs, text the word FAITH to 989898. 
Birch Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Get their free info kit and you'll see why a gold IRA can help you. There are no strings attached. Text the word FAITH to 989898 and you're going to be blessed by taking action right now. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-57-BIBLE. That's 844-57-BIBLE. 844-57-BIBLE. Geneva College understands that you're passionate about your life's work. Through Geneva's graduate degree programs, you'll be equipped to fully pursue your faith life calling, excelling in your field, and moving forward for a purpose. In your studies and in your work, you'll be challenged to seek God's design in all things, integrating faith and life, aspiring, leading, and achieving your goals for all that you're created to be and do. You were made for this. Visit Geneva.edu slash graduate to learn more. We're talking about the great de-churching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? Jim Davis joins us along with Michael Graham and Ryan Burrs. They wrote a terrific book. One of the chapters that was most interesting to me uh, is called The Missed Generational Handoff. It's the 10th chapter of your book, Jim, and it, it talks about passing our faith from generation to generation. And you start off by saying that, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you looked in a church, you would often see people of multiple generations in the same family sitting together. So, you know, grandma and grandpa are there and mom and dad and kids and what. And that has really shifted over the last decade. Um, you tell the story in here first about someone by the name of Lucy and she's, she's, you know, a fictional person uh, to kind of make an example for the reader about what's going on with kids. And so, you know, Lucy goes to high school or goes to elementary school, junior high, goes to an evangelical church. You know, she likes it, but she doesn't really fit in. Uh, they have a special service for junior high and high school kids. She's not all that interested in it, but she goes, eh, you know, whatever. But then she starts playing soccer. She starts to get involved with that. Then she gets a boyfriend. She starts becoming sexually active. And the more she gets involved with soccer, the more she stops being available Sunday morning and then the more her parents stop going on Sunday morning. And it's not too long before they're just going on Christmas and Easter. She doesn't have anybody to talk to about how she's feeling about being sexually active when she grew up thinking that it was something that you saved for marriage. She couldn't talk to her parents about it. There was nothing going on at church. And so over the next three or four years, she ends up being kind of ruled by her soccer schedule. Uh, church becomes an afterthought. And then when she needs something and wants to talk about serious questions who's there nobody there um so tell us about lucy and what that tells us about what's happened in america yeah we use the data obviously to develop these stories it's easy to develop though when we've seen it so so often around us but we learned that there's no question the hardest period of, of life to 
the hardest years to maintain your faith are between the ages of 13 and 30, which breaks up roughly into three different life uh, transitions. You have your high school years. For uh, many people, you have your college years and then establishing your life as a new young professional. So, you know, Lucy, this fictional character that fits the data very well, uh, I mean, 28% of D-Church Evangelicals said that this was the stage of life when it was most difficult to maintain their faith. Yeah. And, you know, even as you re remind me of that story, you know, I, I do think about so many churches that, um, that where they are, the students are segmented from church life until, in some cases, through high school. And they, they're ne we're never really showing them what it looks like to be a part of the broader intergenerational uh, people of God. And so I, I think the opportunity in front of us, you know, she she uh, exhibits the opportunity in front of us because we're not just it's about getting people in pews and money in coffers. The the children of the de-churched will statistically speaking likely be unchurched. And so there's a generational opportunity here for churches not only to engage the de-churched outside the church, but to think about how it is we're discipling our young people and what is a comprehensive plan? What is our goal from age one to 18 to be able to send these these young men and women out into the world in a way where they can be fruitful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jim, you also say in the book that Lucy was a product of the 13% of de-churched evangelicals in your survey whose parents stopped bringing them to church because life got busy. Mm. That's true. And, you know, I see I see this around so much. You know, life gets busy. You, 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 you know, your kids, my kids right now are 15, 13, 12 and eight. And I get the pressure as you know, to, to keep up, yeah, with, of course, to keep your kids with their friends and their sports to do travel sports. And and, and it's a real pressure. And given my DNA, there's no uh, there's no hope of anybody playing D1 college, anything. <laughs> but just to keep up, let our friends, our children stay with their friends and do the sports. The pressure is immense. And our culture does not protect Sunday morning anymore, which is a lot of the reason we see the rise of the Saturday evening service, which I don't have a problem with. It's yeah. just it, it's uh, we're trying to get around. Uh, the busier and busier life. We have more money. We're able to travel more than we were 50 years ago. And it just creates, uh, uh, it creates the need for parents to really talk about what are our priorities because we can't get it. We can't do everything. And we shouldn't be surprised that when we don't bring our kids to church regularly, that when they leave the home, um, that they wouldn't start going. Right. So Jim, uh, it is sad in some ways and is shocking in other ways as you and uh, Michael wrote in uh, The Great Dechurching. Of course, um, American Christianity is one thing, and a worldwide Christianity is a whole other story. And, and so as I read and think about this, people receding from attending regular church, is this maybe a, a temporary blip? I mean, uh, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, it certainly changed the culture and how we look at each other in, in the world. Um your hope for the future, uh, do you see an upswing in this, or are we headed down a path here where we maybe we won't recover? Well, that's the real question. I, if I'm going to back up and let's talk about the big picture, we know how the story ends. Yes. <laughs> we know that, that, that Jesus comes back. There's a new heaven. There's a new earth. We also know there are more Christians living today on the earth than have ever lived, than every Christian Ever the first 1900 years wow. combined. Cool. What's going on in the global east and global south is phenomenal. Um, but what's also surprised us 
is how many of these the de-churched Americans are willing to come back. Over 51% of de-churched evangelicals are willing to come back today. Uh, some of the orthodoxy scores of the de-churched evangelicals are higher than, than people who still go to church. So by all measurements, it seems like these people are Christians. Uh, and as for the ones, well, many of these people are Christians, but at the same time, we think about Jesus's parable of the weeds and the wheat, and he warned us that there will be those in the, who look like they're in the kingdom and they are not. And maybe, maybe there is a purification happening that will be good for the church. Yeah. But culturally, you know, I will say that even uh, someone who wants nothing to do with Christianity should, should care about this because about 40% of our social safety net in the United States of America is funded by religious nonprofits. I mean, Kath and I talk about this regularly. I mean, and you, and you, I'm sure, read the articles as well, that people are so hungry for community. That people, we just read this past week, we read, oh, I, I wish I had some place to go to on Sunday morning that wasn't necessarily the church. Right, that was an NPR story yeah, last week. People want to gather. They mm-hmm. need, we need each other. But they don't want to do it through a church. Yeah, it's interesting because what the sociological categories that have been used for over 100 years are belief, belong, and behave. Mm-hmm. And and what we're seeing is that a lot of the de-churching isn't actually a belief issue. Um, now, some of it is for sure, but a lot of it is actually a belonging issue. And so you, you see the reasons that many of the de-church evangelicals would want to come back and they're all belonging based. If my friends went, if my uh, family went, if I found a good pastor, if I felt lonely, those were the reasons that people said they would come back. Now, the sad truth is, you know, I, in my own life, I, uh, I've made, I've been very consistent about working out and going to the gym. Uh, some things happened in early summer that took me out and I haven't gotten back into it. I know I should go back. I want to go back, but I still haven't gone back. And so I, for me, that kind of, for a lot of these de-churched evangelicals and de-churched from other other uh, theological streams, they they feel it. They know they need it, especially if they are believers. Uh, of course, biblically speaking, they were made for it. Um, and so, I think the call as Christians is to to invite those people to come back, to to invite them into that kind of community, even if it's just a community group or something that that bridges the gap. Mm-hmm. Well, my fear is, you know, the church is so different. The culture especially drives this more so than ever. The people outside the church, even those who have left the church, and especially those who have never been part of the church, look at people who are in the church and go, bigot, homophobe, transphobe. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to be part of that group? Yeah. And so in, in the 20th century, we as an, and I'm, I come from an evangelical um, context, so I'll speak to that. I, we emphasize the truth of the Bible and the gospel. Yes. And you see, see that in our sermons and our apologetic methods and our evangelistic strategies. Now, certainly the Bible and the gospel is true, but Jesus is also good and he's beautiful. So I don't think it should surprise us that when we focus on truth at the expense of goodness and beauty in some cases, that you fast forward to the culture that we're in now and people aren't asking, is the Bible true? They're asking, is it good? Is it ethical? And and I, I do think, I will say, as that happens, um, we are returning in a sense to what has been the norm for God's people for thousands of years. We have, for the most part, lived in cultural exile. We have, exper- we have uh, influenced the cultures that we live in from the margins, not from the seat of power. What we've mm-hmm. experienced in the United States has been unique in, in terms of Christianity around the world today and in the past. And so I also don't think we should be afraid of of returning to that 
kind of cultural exile, if that's what God has for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we know that God has worked mightily through uh, exiled Israel in the new church in the Roman Empire in the global east and south today. And, and I believe that he can do the same thing, however our culture goes. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation, Jim. We want to thank you for being with us, Indeed. spending uh, the majority of this hour, and for your good work in this project. Excellent work, Jim. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both so much for having me. It's called The Great Dechurching. Who's leaving? Why are they going? And what will it take to bring them back? We've been talking to Jim Davis, who co-wrote the book with Michael Graham and Ryan Burge. Check it out, because I think it'll make a big difference to how you see the world around you. Take a break. Come back. New words in the dictionary. Talk about that next. Hi, this is Scott Trout of Cordell and Cordell. There are a lot of great dads out there. Sometimes those dads get divorced. For more than 30 years, we have represented men in divorce, confronting the pitfalls that could devastate your finances or harm your family relationships. While every situation is different, our goal is to get the best outcome for you and your kids. Visit CordellCordell.com to take the first step. Offices in Pittsburgh, Beaver, and Cranberry Township. Scott Trout, licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia only. Online at CordellCordell.com. And now Martha Stewart for Skechers. When I make a dish or embark on a craft project, I always use the finest, most fabulous ingredients and materials. Which is why, when it comes to footwear, I love Skechers. Because Skechers is the comfort technology company and uses the most luxurious, innovative materials and designs to make wondrously comfortable footwear with all the fits and features like ArchFit and Skechers' world-famous air-cooled memory foam. It's exactly the way I'd make shoes. Find Skechers at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Attention taxpayers, ready for some bad news? With $80 billion in new funding from Congress, the IRS has launched their most aggressive hiring campaign ever to ramp up enforcement. If you're ignoring your taxes, don't delay another minute because your paycheck, your bank account, even your home or business could already be at risk. Now, here's the good news. Optima Tax Relief, America's number one tax relief firm, can get to work immediately, helping to protect you from the IRS. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, their tax attorneys and licensed professionals are experts at resolving tax problems. Let them help determine if you qualify for the Fresh Start Initiative or other powerful IRS tax assistance programs. Take control. Call Optima Tax Relief now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. You're investing, right? But what about in your marriage? Most people spend more time maintaining their automobiles than they do their marriage. We need to make this a priority. In a lot of ways, we're on autopilot. Family Life's Weekend to Remember is your weekend to reinvest in each other. I've considered my marriage really good, and I'm still coming because I think it can get a lot better. Join us in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, or Cleveland this fall. Register today and save 50% at WeekendToRemember.com. Terry, we're going to see from the Gateway Clipper. Enjoy a dinner party out on the water with friends and family aboard a sunset dinner cruise, sailing Friday and Sunday evenings. It's the best way to see Pittsburgh, plus you'll get a dinner buffet and music, too. For reservations, visit GatewayClipper.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call, doing it right. 724 New Roof. Words, words, words. The beauty about the English language, I think especially, is that words come and go. 
And there are always new words that essentially are invented vernaculars of the time. Now, there's some new words that are out. Uh, Kath and I uh, saw this. New words drop the fall 2023 collection. Most of these words, I have no idea that they were actually words, or are they in the dictionary? We're reading the list from dictionary.com, so if we're asking if they're really in the dictionary, the answer is yes. It's because, an online dictionary. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dictionary.com. It's, it's put up by Merriam-Webster. It's not, is it? Okay. Yeah. I was going to say Webster. It's a Webster's Dictionary. So if I looked up John, J-A-W-N. Which I've never heard of. Neither have I. So it's from... It's from Philadelphia, for crying Philadelphia. out loud. Something or someone for which the speaker does not know or does not need a specific name. So is John kind of like you would say, hey, hand me that thing. Yeah, hand me that John. What? I've never heard of that. I've never heard about that. Uh, What about uh, NIL? Now, that's for those of us that follow sports, that's just become its name, image, likeness. That's, you know, people who are in their sophomore year of college getting paid for people buying their jerseys. Yeah, that's a fairly new thing, right? Right. Yeah, that didn't exist five years ago. So NIL, is it, would it just be nil, you think? No, NIL, NIL, they call it, yeah. How about a Nepo baby? Never heard of that. Nepo, of course, is short for nepotism. So, you know, someone's father, famous, right? And then they open the door for their kids. Mostly you see this in entertainment, Oh, like Jamie Lee Curtis. Eugene Levy. Right. Right. His kids are Nepo babies. Right. And there's, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is a Nepo baby. Right. Uh, There's oftentimes some scorn or derision to Nepo babies. Right. Because they had it easy. Right. They didn't have to try very hard. Someone's opened the door. I've never heard of Blur's Day, but I think I want to use it. I like that. It's a day not easily distinguished from other days or the phenomenon of days running together. Mm -hmm. Blur's Day. Today's Blur's Day. Is it not? Now, what about shower orange? Come on. Now, this 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 is an actual term entered into the dictionary just this fall Mm -hmm. it's an orange that's peeled and eaten under a steamy shower now what (laughs) who's doing that who i want to when i shower i i'm going somewhere and i'm i'm in a little bit of a time like i I don't have time to be having a snack orange in the shower so it's a sensory feel it's supposed to what's it what's it called a shower orange shower the steam enhances the orange citrusy fragrance and creates a soothing experience (laughs) what is wrong with people maybe too much time just okay okay you see this often right you see this in media greenwashing right greenwashing is an instance or practice of promoting or affiliating a brand campaign mission etc with environmentalism oh. as a ploy to divert attention from policies and activities that are, in fact, anti-environmental. <laughs> right? So, you know, yes. say what you will about, you know, uh, U.S. steel and whatnot. And, of course, there's a lot to be said about that. They could be greenwashing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Godwin's Law. I've never heard that there was a term for this. But how often do we see this? It's an adage of Internet culture stating that as any discussion or debate grows longer, mm. there is a proportionate increase in the probability someone will invoke a comparison to Hitler or the Nazis. <sighs> Isn't that, that true? Is so true? That, that is, is so, I mean, it's so ironic uh-huh. to me yeah. that after all this time and everything that has gone on, that somehow Putin is getting away with calling Ukrainians Nazis. I know. Right. I mean, that oh, doesn't like make guy. any sense, but it, you see it all. 
all over internet course, cultures. Yeah, so I guess right. it shouldn't be a surprise that a, the head of a major country is and as soon as, utilizing. As soon as that person says that, you go, oh, oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it's such a it, lack of a better word. It's so triggering. Mm-hmm. How about hostile architecture? Mm-hmm. Right, hostile architecture. Design elements of public buildings and spaces that are intended to stop unwanted behavior, such as loitering or sleeping in public. You see this at the University of Pittsburgh. There's that wall across from um, where the O used to be. Um, yeah, by the law school. Yes, that, there's a, a slow. There's a low wall. Yes, and they put little sort of metal. Jagger- I noticed that. You know what that is? What? It's meant to stop skateboarders. From ruining that marble. Okay, that's crazy because I was just walking there last week yeah. and I thought, why are those there? Yeah, that's, yeah, that is. Or, you know, yeah, you see it all the time. People, they don't want you to sit there. They don't want you to hang out there. So they put up little spikes to... Well, that's not very friendly, Hostile is it? architecture. It truly is. No, it's... All right. All Words right. are cool. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, Shower orange? No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. Promise New words for 2023. Dictionary.com. Who These wants are... to eat in the shower? People do. Still have a salad in there. One hundred one point five WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying "Play the Word Pittsburgh," and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Code Eric. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. With a strike deadline looming. The United Auto Workers considering strikes at a small number of factories. If a contract can't be worked out with Detroit's big three automakers, the union might target individual plants. Both sides are exchanging offers and negotiating, but they still appear to be far apart on wages and benefits. Ford CEO Jim Farley says the company submitted a new offer that's their most generous in 80 years of the UAW and Ford. GM President Mark Royce reports progress has been made in the past few days, saying the give and take is really happening. Royce said GM's goal is to reward employees while also investing in the future. I'm Ed Donahue. Utah Republican Senator Mitt Romney will not run for re-election in 2024. The former presidential candidate and Massachusetts governor announcing his intentions in a video statement. This is SRN News. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH tax and consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833 833- ERC file. Hi, I'm Olivia and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing? You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does Jandy Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? 
by not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And J&T Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Donald Trump warned America. The U.S. dollar is under attack, and it's becoming less and less valuable by the day. Hyperinflation and speculation is killing your retirement. Don't leave your money sitting in cash. It's time you diversified and protected your future with physical precious metals. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and get your free digital dollar survival kit and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver today. Call Advantage Gold now at 800-900-8000 to get your free digital dollar survival kit. And you may qualify for $1,000 in free silver. Advantage Gold is the number one rated gold and silver company in America. Your future is precious. Protect it today when you call Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000 now. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. That's 800-900-8000. We'll see clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. A jacket may come in handy. Expect a nighttime low of 50. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 70. A starry night on tap for tomorrow night with a low of 48. Plenty of sunshine to round out the work week Friday. It'll be pleasant. We'll see a high Friday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. The last hour, we were just talking about the great de-churching and why people have stopped going to church. Now, (laughs) full confession here, one of the reasons I love going to church is that I like to sing out loud. And and apologies to all those around me. Mm -hmm. I I just love it. I love being in the congregation and and being part of this great choir it just makes me feel really good it's really a big part of my worship i, I just and again apologies to those who are around me however uh there was something this past weekend called sing uh at sing uh exclamation point which is apparently a global um global gathering of some 8500 christians who meet in nashville last week and then uh, from around 35 countries 80,000 people joined online in 120 countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they attend breakout sessions. All these worship leaders, people who are involved in the sing, uh, sort of what the menu the people are part of, right? Worship leaders do this, uh, musicians and whatnot. They attend breakout sessions on congregational singing, songwriting, family ministry. Other breakout sessions address themes such as hymns in hard places, evangelism and singing at home. They listen to speakers, the live recording sessions, and, of course, they sing. So uh, I'm reading from Religion News Service. For more than a decade, American worship services have started to leave traditional hymns behind instead of historic chestnuts such as Be Thou My Vision, 
whose words date to the 6th century with music from the early 1900s, or Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, adapted in the mid-1700s by the Methodist Charles Wesley from a popular opera number of the time. Instead, people are singing songs that are crafted, created by CCM artists or by people inside megachurches. One recent study found that the 38 most played songs of those 38 most played songs in church, 22 were released by one of the four most prominent megachurches. Mm-hmm. An additional eight songs were released by artists with ties to those churches. Mm-hmm. So a very narrow bandwidth, yep. which is influencing a large number of believers yes. singing in church every Sunday. Now, Kath, uh, you told me as I talked to you about this that you attended this Getty event. I did. Uh, yeah, right before COVID, I went to it. Uh, it was uh, it was in Nashville then too. Uh, it was maybe four days or something like that, and I really enjoyed it a lot. It was I, fun. Yep, was fun. Um, I went by myself, which was really good because there's a for if if music is your business, you have to like there's I couldn't have socialized. There's just too much information to get. Sure. Um, and you really want to kind of focus on what you're doing there. Um, and when I was there, like the the speaker list was crazy. So not only were were the Gettys and all their people playing, and there was a choir and an orchestra and all this, but you know, uh, Tim Keller was there, and John MacArthur was there, and John Whoa. Piper was there, cool. and you know, I mean, there was a lot of people. There were big a lot names of people in music. Like, was there Chris Tomlin there as well? Nope. And, no, okay. no, because here's the thing: the divide in contemporary church music is between the Getty faction and the Chris Tomlin faction. Oh, so I you're not, not you're not going to see them together. Oh, really? No, That's, why no is there because, a... because the Gettys are very much advocating for uh, hymns and the content of hymns, a lot of theology in your songs. I like that. And uh, a particular musical style. Chris Tomlin would be kind of representative of the other side, sure, sure. which is the, you know, the, the stuff that people would – would say in a negative fashion that Jesus is my boyfriend music. Right. The stuff that's just more fluffy. Right. Okay. So that's now, looked down upon. Yes. Now, yeah. here's the thing. I don't yes. think the characterization, characterization of either side of the other is correct. I don't think that all hymns are great. There are a lot of bad hymns. There are, but there's I've a lot done, of wonderful I've hymns. I've done church music my whole life, and there are a lot of bad hymns. Um, there are a lot of wonderful hymns. Just like there's a lot of bad contemporary Christian music and a lot of really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't look at one side and say, I hate that and love the other, I don't think. Sure. Because no. there's good in both. It's all both. part of the mix. There's good in both. Um, uh, the only thing I can say is if you make, if you only utilize music from one side or the other, I think your music sounds a lot the same. I mean, I think the Gettys are terrific. I, I really appreciate them and I utilize a lot of their music in what I do at my church. But a lot of their music sounds the same, mm-hmm. um, just like people would accuse Chris Tomlin and they would say a lot of his music sure. sounds the same. Well, it does. So that's why it's important, I think, to get your music from a wide array of people. What my worry is that, you know, of course, you you and I similar. We grew up in the church. We heard a lot of hymns. We yep. sang a lot of hymns that I think a younger generation. I'm not sure my kids know the hymns like I know the hymns. No, I'm sure they don't. Which I feel is a shortfall. It is. It is. But. Would your kids want to go to a church service where they just did hymns? I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's so many hymns that I love that I that I miss hearing that are really influenced and informed my theology. Yeah, I agree. Me too. I mean, there you can't find a song like Be Thou My Vision, which is the one that was brought up in that article, yeah. that 
It's just so, so beautiful. beautifully said. So deep. But I also want to tell you that there are songwriters today who are writing music that is beautiful. But there's something about the familiarity that everybody in church generally, I would say generally, in a wide sweep, knows the hymn and we're all singing the same hymn together. Yeah, but that's familiarity for you and me. But the 18-year-olds that I know who go to my church, they have no familiarity with that music. Really? So it's not familiar to them. Well, maybe they should so be if we them. So if we do a hymn, they're like, okay, that's a new song for me because they've never heard it. So not every, I mean, if you're looking at 18 year olds right now, the vast majority of them, if they've come from Christian families, are not exposed to those songs. I just feel as though we're missing a link here. The bridge is now broken. Right. And I don't want it to go no, away. No, I don't either. Right? I don't either. The beauty and the power yep. of the old hymns yep. um, for hundreds and hundreds of years has informed us as Christians. It draws us together as their community. Here's the other problem. You only have three songs on a Sunday? Four songs, Maybe. depending on what church you go to. So you don't have that much time to, int- you know what Introduce I mean? You only have him. so many options to figure out what to sing together. When I hear him, I tend to sit up a little straighter and I sing a little louder. Oh, when you hear him? Yeah. Yeah. I do. There's a built-in sort of respect for yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. all. All right. Well. Okay. Well, much more to come on that issue, I'm sure, because it's one of the things that people love to talk about most. Yep. Uh, but we're going to take a break. When we come back, the conversation turns to seminary. Why is it good for women? I, I, it seems silly to even ask that question because it's good to learn things. But we'll talk about what Leanna Davis thinks after her experience in seminary. That's coming up next. 101.5 WORD. We're continuing our study in the book of James this week. We'll find out why gossip is a destructive sin, not a form of entertainment. We'll discover how to identify and resist even its subtler forms. And we'll learn to plan properly without presumption. That's our focus this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. Ron had a tax problem he just couldn't handle on his own. I owed the IRS taxes for over five years, but I didn't have any money to pay the taxes. Those years cost him dearly. Most of it was fees and interest. It was horrible. Ron finally called in the pros. I called Optima Tax Relief, and boy, am I happy I did. (laughs) The leading tax resolution firm, Optima, is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. They've resolved over a billion dollars for their clients. Ron was overjoyed. They settled my account with IRS. I was ecstatic. They are a lifesaver. They are. I am so happy. <laughs> Take Ron's advice and call Optima now for a free consultation. Yeah, don't do like I did and wait. Call Optima Tax Relief. Do it now. You'll be ecstatic like me. <laughs> call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3333. 
1-800-273-9439. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. People always ask me, why should I call Mr. Rooter Plumbing? Here's why. Our owner, Bob Bill, learned plumbing from his father who started plumbing in 1964. His father taught him to do it right the first time, and that's what Bob passed on to all of our plumbing technicians today. If you need a plumber, call Mr. Rooter. Always available for big and small jobs. Plus, mention you heard this ad on Word FM and receive 10% off your next service with us. Call 412-ROOTER2 today. I have really great respect for anyone who engages in an education in a seminary. Mm -hmm. To dive deep into God's Word over years of study, that is a very powerful thing. Oftentimes, of course, when you think someone's involved in seminary, the end result is that they'll be a pastor. Our next guest says that was not her goal whatsoever. She had no career goal in mind as she went to seminary. Leanna Davis is with us. She has described herself as a student of the Word with a B.A. in ministry to women from Moody Bible Institute. She wrote a piece that we saw at the Gospel Coalition, Why Seminary is Worth It for Women. Leanna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be with you today. Liana, we have a vast uh, cross-section of people in our listening audience who have different views on women in ministry. I'm sure that is no mm. surprise to you. Um, and But what we thought was interesting about your article is you're not arguing for uh, the place that women should play in the church or the kind of roles that they should have in the church. Instead, you're just saying that learning and going to seminary is good for all women? Exactly. Um, you know, not every woman is going to have the time or the desire, the interest to go to seminary and to be able to focus um, their their money and their, their time on learning in the way that I have. But I think that for the woman who is interested, who wants to learn more, I think it's well worth the time and investment to go to seminary. Even if you're not thinking about becoming a pastor or having a role in a church? Exactly. I think that um, when you are ministering to your family, when you are ministering to other women, when you are just in conversations, knowing the history of the church, the doctrines of the church, it just enriches your mind. It enriches your conversations. Um, You can have, you know, such a good time with other people when you know more and more about what to talk about, about um, theology and doctrine. I love the idea of you digging deep into this journey, Leanna. How long did it take you to go through seminary? I believe I started in 2014. So it's just, it's taken me some time as we have had um, the resources and the ability to go through classes. That's what I've done when we didn't. You know, I didn't go through classes. I've had full-time work, part-time work, um, and no work. So just all over the board. Yeah. In terms of the seasons of life, you know, I've had young kids. Now I have a daughter in school. Um, And so just throughout my life, you know, being able to devote the time 
to seminary has been a blessing. Excellent. So years of commitment and study. So in the piece in the Gospel Coalition, you, you wrote about several of the reasons you're glad that you went. Talk to us about the reason of learning to value church history. Yeah. So as I learned and came um, in encountering more of church history, it really helped me because it made me see that I am not an expert. I am not um, just for going to seminary, for going to Bible college. That does not make me an expert or um, someone who has authority. It helped me see that there is um, an authority. Certainly our highest authority is scripture, but there is an authority um, outside of me through church history that has passed on the doctrines of the church to me. So mm-hmm. you think about the doctrine of Christ and him being fully God <clears throat> and fully man um, you think about the doctrine of the Trinity, those had to pass through councils of the church and had to be argued. Um, and so that pure doctrine could come from those times. And it hel- it just helped me t- to be thankful for the people who had come before me. Yeah. And I'm thankful. And I'm sure yeah. it gives you a different perspective when you recite the Nicene Creed or the Apostles Creed. You think, wow, now that I know what it went, what went, what went into, you know, arriving at that, it means something different. Yes, exactly. I agree. And so in seminary, of course, I mean, I'm sure most of the deep study, a lot of the deep study, it made you grow in the knowledge of God. And I mean, that's a wonderful thing. So years and years and years of study. Now your knowledge of God is, is I'm sure, a lot deeper. Yeah. And I think um, even just the way that I pray and I interact with God is different. Um, I, I love a teaching by one of my professors, Dr. Allison. He has a book on um, the Holy Spirit, and we focus a great deal on the Holy Spirit in class. And, you know, maybe before I had the, you know, a general knowledge of the Holy Spirit, but just seeing how there was a fresh, unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that um, made me see how integral the Holy Spirit is to our daily lives to our prayer, to our the way we do church, and how we lean on God for all, all of our guidance um, and direction. So interesting. So when I pray, I, I often, I just ignore the Holy Spirit. I'm sure much to my parents. <laughs> you're saying you're focusing on the Holy Spirit and praying to the Holy Spirit. I am praying. The way that I view prayer is I pray to the Father through the mediatorial work of the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so he is guiding my reflections, um, my thoughts, my desires, um, and my actions, and all of that, certainly, as I pray. Hmm. So... I think there's such a, I mean, I just want to give you credit for deciding that you wanted to learn more things because it seems like today, you know, people stream all the time and, you know, people catch up on, you know, the latest movie, but people who are out of school rarely decide that they want to immerse themselves in something rigorous like that. And you decided you did. Yeah, I think that there's so many opportunities for people to tune into the theological world, even if you don't choose to go to seminary. Um, There's so many podcasts now. Um, so many books that you can read. And I think that that is just being intentional about setting time aside to learn um, and to grow. Um, You know, even a a place like the Gospel Coalition or different publications that you don't have to go to seminary to really tune into the theological conversations of the day. Yeah. Uh, But I'm sure, you know, the the recipients uh, of that education 
your children, your husband, your close friends, uh, that had to change your relationship with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so grateful to have um, a spouse who has supported um, my seminary journey. And um, I think that my daughter has benefited from it. Um, She has asked questions about who God is and how we relate with him and um, how we can know um, you know, know him from the Bible and how to read the Bible and lots of questions. And um, it's such a blessing to be able to interact with her with the context that I've gained. Well, I think it's really terrific. So kudos to you. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah. We've been talking to Leanna Davis. She's a student of the word. She's got a BA in ministry to women from Moody Bible Institute. I love it so much. Just learn stuff. Can how you great do is that? Can you do this? Yes. I mean, it's... It's intimidating to me, to be honest. It really is. No reason not to do it, though. Take a quick break. Come back. The Daily Feature. Does this make sense? That's next. The truth is that our college years are really pivotal. And it's a time to discover and to cultivate, and if you're so inclined, to see where God leads you. And that's why we're excited always to talk about Grove City College. I think back to being an undergrad myself and... Early on, I mean, I wanted to get a job, but I wanted to get uh, good grades. And then somehow during, you know, in the middle of my freshman year, I started thinking, why do I want to, like, what's the, what's the, of course, I want to make my parents happy. But you're in college. Maybe your parents don't care as much about your grades at that point. Is that really enough motivation is that I just want to have a... 4.0 4.0 or whatever is that not grades only I, I i don't think it can be i know that a lot of people look at college that way and think well if i get the grades then i get the job but the thing i love about grove city is that it puts learning in a larger context yeah. so it's great to get good grades and it's very important to get a job but what about curiosity sparking curiosity in your student that makes you want to dig deeper into a subject maybe it's not even your major but something that helps you to appreciate God's creation and just what has been established on earth for the purposes of praising him or knowing him better. I know that's the truth of Grove City College. To know who God is, to know who you are meant to be, to pursue your purpose and joy. GCC.edu. Hun, we need to stop putting off getting life insurance. I know. It's just been so busy, and I'm sure the cost is out of our budget. Well, Jen told me that they got a $500,000 term life insurance policy from Ethos for less than $23 a month. All online with no complicated forms and no medical exam. All they had to do was answer a few health questions. Wait, no medical exam and all online? I know, right? It's not easy to think about, but if something happened to you, James and I would be... Okay, I get it. Let's get a quote from Ethos right now. Wow, you were right. There's no medical exam. And Ethos makes the whole online process fast and easy. And look at these rates and coverage options. It's great protection and totally fits our budget. Ethos, they've removed all the barriers from getting coverage. Go to checkethos.com to get your free online quote. That's checkethos.com. Quote based on a healthy, non-smoking 30-year-old male with a 20-year term policy. Rates may vary. Terry Wardenis here from the Gateway Clipper. Enjoy a dinner party out on the water with friends and family aboard a sunset dinner cruise, sailing Friday and Sunday evenings. It's the best way to see Pittsburgh, plus you'll get a dinner buffet and music, too. For reservations, visit gatewayclipper.com. 
Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, tune in, and on Odyssey, in your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. We'll see clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. A jacket may come in handy. Expect a nighttime low of 50. Mostly sunny skies tomorrow. Tomorrow will reach a high of 70. A starry night on tap for tomorrow night with a low of 48. Plenty of sunshine to round out the work week Friday. It'll be pleasant. We'll see a high Friday of 72. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Yeah, what does what make sense? Ticketmaster. Oh, uh, absolutely not. Uh, you kidding me? Live it makes Nation. no sense at all. None of it. What? That's a hot button issue for me. What? Fee Central? Oh, a ticket for a concert costs 60 bucks. By the time you're done with the fees, you're going to spend like $45 in fees. I, I, I despise it. The class action lawsuits against Ticketmaster, ticket bring it. it. Makes me nuts. No, I'm glad you brought that up. Makes no sense whatsoever. Boy, does that make me mad. I didn't realize I was uncorking. You such know a that's true. Torrent Don't of, you? Yes, I, I do no, because makes I no feel sense. the exact same way. We went to a concert together, yes. you and I and Lexi, yes. last week. The, money. Which we haven't talked about that right, yet. Right. We, no, I don't care about the money. We haven't talked about the concert. The point is that the the ordering process is so unbelievably complicated and you can't if you know somebody's coming into town you know i just want to order a ticket there's like 18 options for places that i can order tickets from this has that fee this has that Uh, fee that has this fee it's so it's so i think like you said i'm paying 38 bucks for a ticket i end up paying 74.50 for a ticket and i think how did this happen and then you show up at the venue, and if you haven't downloaded your ticket in the correct way, of course, you're in some kind of, you know, uh, dead zone. Right, you can't download hey. it. Then you can't get it. It's just, it's so yeah. stupid. Well, well, the good news is the Taylor Swift thing caused a backlash. Apparently, uh, there's legislation yeah, pending. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, it sure. is on my last nerve. It does not, ticketing does not make sense. No, it doesn't. I agree with that 100%. Okay, this is nowhere near as emotional. Does this make sense? Collecting seashells. Okay, now, we go to the ocean every summer. Yep. I find myself going, oh, I, oh, I need I that. that one. I need that. Yeah. In my basement, I have buckets <laughs> of seashells from like 1973, mm-hmm. which I'll never get. No, you'll never use those. I've got seashells in my office. Mm-hmm. You're not going to use those either. But I... But At the same those. time, you know why? Because you want to take a piece of the joy of vacation with you. I want that ocean, and you think that you're going to be able to bring it back with you, right? But the problem is, Mm-mm. you can't bring it back no. with you. I have two very nice seashells in my office. Do you? Are they really bringing back the ocean? Well, they they do help because they're big. They're not like you know a little shred, you know, the little teeny ones. Yeah. Which I have a bajillion of. Okay, so the teeny ones, I'll say right now, they don't make sense. No, they don't. Like, let's just leave them in their national, oh, their, their natural environment. I feel guilty Let for them taking them out of the ocean. But a big one? The big ones. If you nice. see that, I feel like that makes sense. Like, I found that. That's mine. That's the ocean. You remember where you got it yep. from. It's all natural. I held it up to the sun as the water was kicking against my body. Yeah, that okay, makes so sense. Okay, so maybe it does make sense. Sorry. You should take that. Not ticket master. Put a fee on that. 
101.5 WORD. To have the power to forgive and keep on forgiving is only through the gift of faith. Dr. Michael Youssef. The gift of faith and the power of faith comes through spending time in prayer with your Heavenly Father. Beloved, listen to me. You cannot escape the connection between faith and forgiveness. They are inexorably linked. Dig deeper into this on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Our family mortgage team is a Carolina Reaper Pepper. And we believe this extremely weird analogy has some major benefits to you. So here we go. The Carolina Reaper is as small as a marshmallow, but packs a punch. Big enough to make you only want to eat marshmallows for the rest of your life. At United Faith Mortgage, we're small as well. We're run by myself and my dad and my mom and my aunt and my brother and a dozen or so other people who are basically family. Our small allows us to be incredibly personal to every Word FM listener that calls, and we make this a really big deal. At the same time, though, our small team packs a big punch because of our direct lender advantage. We use our own money within our own walls, and there's no middleman, which often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Whether you're buying a new home or need to do a cash-out refinance to help with credit card debt and life, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. And a listener 1330. That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. Are you one of the nearly 10 million families that own a timeshare? Unfortunately, many families stuck in timeshares have learned the dark side of ownership as their timeshare ends up being nothing like they were promised. I'm Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group. If you were lied to when buying a timeshare, you're going to need help. I know this because I once worked as a timeshare salesman, but quit the business and made it my personal mission to help folks get rid of bad timeshares. That's why I put together a timeshare exit information kit to help you understand how the timeshare industry works and your options for cancellation. Over 30,000 families have trusted us to get rid of their timeshares. Many started out by simply calling us for the free information kit and are now timeshare free. To get your free information kit, call Wesley Financial now. 800-939-1331. That's 800-939-1331. 800-939-1331. Summer is almost over, and so are the savings at Bachman's Roofing. Take advantage of the summer savings bonanza with no interest and no payments until 2025. Now is the perfect time to check off those home improvement projects. Cracked or missing roof shingles? Bachman's has got you covered. Looking to add solar? Bachman's has you covered. Time to upgrade that cracked siding? Bachman's has got your back. Call Bachman's today to schedule your free estimate at 412-472-7103 or visit gobachmans.com. Maybe five years ago, there's a there's a, an advertising agency across the hall from us. And they were good guys. They're kind of like what you would think, especially the one guy, what you would think a guy who worked in an advertising agency would be like. He was always quippy. Johnny. Kind of funny, you know, so funny. quirky as all get out. Always had something funny to say. Mm-hmm. Always happy to see him, you know. Anyway, they left. They left the building. And so when, when tenants leave your workspace, uh, you know, there's always like this dumpster upstairs, like a couple of big, gigantic dumpsters. And they were throwing stuff out left and right. Now, you and I, we were really... In, we love the idea of it. I'm not thrown off by a dumpster, I'll no. tell you right now. And because they were ad agency people, it was interesting trash. Yes. Right? Interesting trash. One time, you know, I was down <laughs> I was down there sifting through the trash, and one of the women who works in the ad agency saw me. The look of disgust that came over her. 
that came over her face. That's okay. We're not put off by that. As she saw me sifting through That's her fine. trash. But anyway, we found this plexiglass uh, box, this little box, mm-hmm. maybe four inches by four inches. And in it are just a series of questions. So apparently it was a game. I but guess. there's no name on it. No instructions. I'm not sure what it is. But we have uh, turned to the question box multiple times on the show. Yeah. Because it's just, it's stuff that we would not normally ask each other. It just pops up. And so we thought today was the day to hit it. Yeah, this segment. We're going to the... The question box. The dumpster <laughs> the dumpster diving plexiglass question box. Uh-huh. Okay. You want to go first? I'm ready. Go first. Okay, good. All right. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> if you could rename yourself... What, what what name would you choose? <laughs> well, when I was little, yeah. I was very annoyed with my parents that they didn't name me Linda. Oh, mm-hmm. Linda. That was a real source of, of contention between what, me and my parents. What was that? What was that I about? I have no idea, but I thought that that was a much nicer name. Linda. Uh, than Kathy. Uh, so if I were to change my name now, mm-hmm. uh, I like old English names. Like Evelyn? I think Evelyn is great. I like... Uh, Sarah? Francis. France? <laughs> Francis Emmons. That sounds really old. It Seriously. does, doesn't it? Um, yeah, you smell like potpourri. Yeah, right, right. I like the I like old names. Uh-huh. Elizabeth is a good one. It's a classic. Um, They've made a comeback old names, haven't they? Yes, Stella. Not Stella. Yeah, Stella. No. Every yeah. time you say your name. Scarlet. Oh, Scarlet. Yep. No, because yep. that's like that's gone with the wind. But or Stella no, would be like. Clue. Oh, Scarlet Stevie's gone with the okay. wind. But Stella would be like, you know, uh, Marlon Stella! Brando. Exa- that's exactly it. You would get that nonstop. Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'd go for an old name. If you could re- Thank okay. you for asking, John. Okay, Okay, fine. are you ready? Oh, oh, well, wait, do I give it to you? Oh, do you answer no, it No, I'm going to answer it as well. Okay. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, I thought this name was hilarious. I thought, I, I want to be this guy. And then ever I feel bad when I meet someone with this name. More than anything, growing up, I wanted to be Fred. <laughs> I wanted. Why? To, I thought it was hysterical. I thought if my name was Fred Hall, uh, that would just be like the funniest thing ever. Now, Everything would come together oh, for you. Or I'm going to dress it up a little bit. I'll be Frederick. And sometimes when I go to Starbucks now, they ask me for my name. I'll be yeah, Fred Hall. I've been Francis <laughs> at Starbucks. I have. Fred. They call out Fred. I go, that is me, my friend. I am Fred That's Hall. That's ridiculous. And I'm glad of it. That's yeah. ridiculous. Very good. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Has anything bad ever happened to you that turned out to be for the best? Oh, oh boy. A lot of things. A lot of things. Heck yeah. A lot of things. Okay. Give me one. <sighs> it was bad, but it turned out to be for the best. Okay. Well, I mean. Well, one of the seminal events of my life is me falling and crushing myself. I mean, I fell and I just killed my ankle. You fell two stories. I, I, and I had, th- I spent almost three years in some form of cast. Uh, I had 13 screws and two steel plates in my right ankle. Uh, that changed my life. I was, uh, how old was I? I was 20. It changed my life forever. But I can't tell you the journey that that took me on, um, the people that I in some way exited from because of that and and forced myself into new positions. Mm. And the grit to go through that and my appreciation. Now, I don't want to short sell this at all, especially in the midst of it all. 
because I, I was a student at the time and I was on crutches for the, you know, for almost for 18 months. I was on crutches, no wow. weight bearing on those crutches. Wow. And I would see people, and I, again, I don't want to short sell anybody on this, but I would see people who were disabled and I thought, this is a short term for me. I know that someday I'll be done with this, but those people in your wheelchair forever yeah. or whatnot, it gave me a great humbling sensibility for those people with long-term disabilities. Hmm. So yeah, that yeah, that was that, a big event yeah, in my life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything bad happened to me? Uh, yeah, I almost uh, married somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> miss that bus? Yeah, boy, I miss it. boy. I that was like walking into a volcano. That would have been such a mistake. But the heart. The heartbreak at the time was very intense. It was. A lot of crying. It, it was a lot. It was very, very painful. It was someone I dated for a long time. Um, and I, years. Years. And we were right on the verge of being engaged. And he called it off. And I thought my life was over. And within three months, I thought to myself, that would have been a mistake. And then within six months, I thought that would have been a big mistake. And then now, that would have been catastrophic. Mm -hmm. You would have been a totally different person. Oh, yes. Right, right. It would have, yeah, just, I can't tell you the, I mean, my husband is so wonderful. And we've had, we have such a good time. Anyway, that just would have been a gigantic mistake. Is there anything more painful than a crushing breakup? It's so sad. Oh. Oh, it's just... It and, is the worst. And it's the kind of moping and despair oh. that really nothing else is. Nothing. I mean, yeah. it's so deep in the marrow of your bones that it colors every breath that you take. Oh, it's Everything. Everything reminds you of it. Yep. Everything. Uh, you can't... Yep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. No, of course not, right? And you feel like everybody around me knows this. Yes. They see it. Right. It's like... Heartbreak on parade. It is. And the nobody worst. sees it. No one has any idea what's going on. Right. But you live it. I mean, oh. I've lived it every breath. Oh, I'm dying here. And I can't really explain the depth of the despair. Yep. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, Very thank good. goodness Very that's good. over. Excellent. Okay. On the lighter side. Yeah. What fashion trend you followed was very cool then, but now <sighs> looks ridiculous. Oh, so, I big hair. Oh, Big you, hair. I mean, I have, hair? I have so much hair. Yeah. And so it's, I, I mean, it's all I can do to make my hair small. Mm. So making it big didn't, I didn't even have to try. Yeah. I mean, it just was. My hair is enormous. The pictures of me in, let's say, 1985 are ridiculous. Big hair. It doesn't even make sense. Like John. Elaine and Seinfeld? Yes. Like that kind of hair. Like that kind of hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that wasn't good for anybody. Very good. Okay. Uh, what fashion trend you follow was very cool that looks uh, was very cool then but looks ridiculous now <laughs> 1970ish the rise of elephant bell bottom jeans I mean remember those things yeah, I mean they, they were so re- they were big as manhole covers everybody looked bad in them uniformly no, bad at the time no I looked fabulous <laughs> Are you kidding me I owned you look oh, here I am walking down the street man I'm wearing these things. Get out of my way. I need every square inch from my elephant bell-bottom jeans. And looking back? It's stupid. It's the worst. It's embarrassing. They're so terrible. Yeah. They truly made everybody look bad. Yeah. A day in hell would be breaking up with someone and wearing elephant bell-bottom <laughs> jeans while my name is Fred. <laughs> okay. John. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yes, he still has a cough. Coffee. Uh, John, have you ever had an experience that led you to believe in angels or ghosts? Hmm. <clears throat> angels, yes. Ghosts, no. Now, look, I used to live in a funeral home. If I was ever going to encounter a ghost, right. it would have been there. Angels? It's a certainly uncertain feeling in my life mm. that I feel at some point, especially I'd say as a child, that I thought I felt the presence of an angel. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That there was a certainty in my 10, 11, 12-year-old brain that I was on a path and being guided by an angel around me. Now, of course, let me just say this. Growing up as a Catholic schoolboy, the idea of a guardian angel Mm -hmm. was a really seminal influence in your life. Maybe less not so much now, Mm -hmm. but I do believe that angels walk among us. Mm -hmm. How about you? I only had one experience uh, that included angels, and I I just have to... I don't know if that's what it was, but it was so profound at the time that I I did not have any other explanation for it when it was happening. Was it a dangerous situation or was it, it a was, deliverance? It was, it was a time of real angst. My, uh, my mom had woke up uh, in, uh, in the morning and wasn't making any sense. Didn't know what the day was. Didn't know what happened. So the first thing I thought was she had a stroke. Um, And we took her to the hospital and they needed to send her for imaging. So we had to go for imaging. And when I got her out of the car, she had a seizure. But I didn't know, I'd never seen a seizure before. This was, she wasn't having a grandma seizure. She was having an absence seizure where she just looked, she looked straight ahead but was clearly not she wasn't present. There. She right. was not there. She's come undone. That was so scary to me. That was so, and it was so scary to my dad. So we took her up to the uh, cancer center in Shadyside, signed her in, and they said, okay, uh, we'll do the test, which they did. And then after the test, uh, you need to go over across, across the street through the bridge, you know, across the bridge that goes over Center Avenue oh, yeah, sure. and go over where you're going to be admitted into the mm-hmm. hospital. And we, I turned around, it was, I remember this like it was yesterday. This was probably 10 years ago, more than that, probably thir- 12 or 13 years ago. I turned around and I was looking down that bridge that goes over Center Avenue. And my mom was in a wheelchair. My mom, who was nowhere near being in a wheelchair, like she was Vital. happy-go-lucky. Vi- I mean, and all of a sudden she's in a wheelchair. And I looked over and there were these people. I sounds so weird. There were these people standing in the bridge and they were like kind of smiling and like saying, come on, let's go this way. Let's go this way. And so I listened, you know, I was following like, and then I, as I turned around, they weren't there. But then if I looked ahead of me, they were there, but they weren't behind me. And then I, I had to stop and get cash out of the Mac machine, which is at the very end of the bridge at the ATM so that I could pay for parking. 
and there was a man at the uh, ATM and he was a black man. He turned around and looked at me in the face and I thought to myself, he's an angel. Now, why would I think that? Yeah. I don't read about angels. Angels are not a part. They're a part of my theology. They're a part of my theology, but they're not a part of my like, why would I think that? Right. All the. So there's obviously a difference between an angel and the protection of God. Right. God's protection. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Because I mean, I think about this often. and I've told you this story. In college, I was waiting for a bus with a friend of mine late at night on Fifth Avenue, headed from Oakland into downtown. We were standing there shoulder to shoulder waiting for a bus, just shoulder to shoulder. Somebody drove by and shot at us. And the bullet whizzed between (gasps) her head and mine, a space maybe 12, 13 inches. On Fifth Avenue Mm -hmm. in Oakland. Craft Avenue and Fifth Avenue. That bullet whizzed between us. And we looked at each other and we're like, did you feel that? And we knew exactly what it was. But it was God's protection on my life. Was that an angelic protection or was that God? Yeah. I think about that often. How many times have you found yourself in really dangerous situations? I mean, oh, I, yeah. I mean, you could, right? You, I, I think to myself, especially having kids, John, you could have died. Yep. And then I think about my kids and I think, God, protect my boys. Yep. Be with them. Protect them always. Mm-hmm. Let them, your protection on them. Because I find myself six, seven, eight. I can name any number of times. Right. Where you know that yep. there was danger that a left or a right, an inch here or there, would have killed you. Right. Changed you forever. God's protection versus an angel. And all the years that my mom was sick, which wasn't very many, but whenever she was sick, you know, I thought back on that day. Over and over and over again. Hmm. I never forgot that. That's why I feel like there has to be something to it. Because if there wasn't, why would it stick in my right. head like it, it does? It wasn't until you were looking for that. No. Trying to make something no. up. There was. No. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. You're next. What was your favorite childhood meal? Oh. Okay. So super. So elementary. I'm going to break it up into elementary school and high school. <laughs> because the elementary school. It was the Hungry Man Meatloaf TV dinner, <laughs> without any question. It included, uh, in the corner, green beans, mm-hmm. and uh, in the other corner, uh, mashed potatoes, and mm-hmm. in the middle was some nondescript muffin-type thing. No, wait, was that the uh, cobbler? Maybe. I was, no, it was like more a of a muffin. It, was more of a, it, was, it wasn't good. A blueberry thing. It wasn't good. That was dessert. Yeah, that was dessert. Mm-hmm. That was... I mean, that's just it. That was everything. All of elementary school. Hungry Man. Hungry Man. Because it was big. Yeah. Big aluminum exactly. tray. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time on something small. That was childhood. And then high school, it was always uh, grilled pork tenderloin oh. with kielbasa and uh, grilled pineapple. <laughs> oh, grilled pineapple? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of that's, exotic, isn't that's it? That's delicious. Very nice. Excellent. That's delicious. And you? Well, when, when we were growing up, uh, like a lot of families, if it was our birthday... We would put in the request, right? It's my birthday, so mom, would you make this yeah, for sure. us? My f- favorite childhood meal. <laughs> this is gonna be good. Was now you couldn't even make this today, probably. I guess you could. What I thought was super exotic, but I thought this was like chop suey. <laughs> Wait, Latroy makes Chinese food, and my mom like probably threw some. Yeah, thank you. Like my mom probably threw in like some beef or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
chop suey, and an apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was like so birthday. So the Far East and, and mom. right hometown America. I mean, Lechoy makes Chinese food, sing <laughs> America. Right. I, chop suey. I mean, can you even order chop suey? Is that an insult no, well, if you were an Asian American? Yeah, for sure, because that was something that that they made up for to feed Americans. Chop suey. Yeah, I chop thought, suey was, wasn't even a real thing. I thought that was exotic. I mean, I thought, <laughs> holy smokes! I'm like, I'm in Far East. I'm somewhere like I can't believe. And this is what they all eat. And I'm doing that because I'm kind of like you know, <laughs> cosmopolitan. That's really my, excellent. Yeah, chop suey. That's that good. is really excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for coming along with us yeah, as the, we uh, as we hit the question box. What the heck? All yeah. Right. Uh, I had a couple other uh, good ones here, John. All right, save it for another rainy day. Although it's not raining right now, is it? No, it isn't. All right, when we come back, alien experts in Mexico City, they presented two alien bodies? Come on. That's what they said. I didn't see it coming. Life can be so unpredictable. After losing my dad, it made me think about my family if something were to happen to me. The mortgage, car payments, and all the other bills. Even things like our annual summer vacation would be out of reach. I had heard about life insurance through Ethos and how easy it was to get coverage. They were right. I knew it was time to stop putting it off and get life insurance right now. I got on my computer and went to ethoslife.com. In just 10 minutes, I was covered. And boom, family protected. Thanks to Ethos, my family won't have to worry about the bills if the unpredictable happens to me. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at getethos.com. That's G-E-T-E-T-H-O-S dot com. Hey, John, good to be focused today on the Helios projects in the ministry of Dr. Woodrow Kroll. Kath, today in East Africa, Helios is committed to training hundreds of pastors that have no Bible or theology training, and they're struggling to minister to their people. Now, even in the midst of many other needs, all they ask for is to be trained. I've been there, and I've seen the need. The church is alive, it's vibrant, but it suffers because many of its pastors have had absolutely no Bible or Christian theology training. And that's where you come in. Will you join us? For each gift you give to train a pastor, some of our partners will match your gift, doubling the number of pastors trained. That's a $150, and that's going to train six pastors. Helios wants to train 570 pastors in East Africa by September the 30th, but we need you. Go to wordfm.com right now and give or call us at 833-4-HELIOS. That's 833-443-5467. Whether you own a local business or a global one, you know that these days, generating growth is a challenge. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll not just stay ahead of the curve, you'll move it. With access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter, locally and globally. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Copyright 2023, Bank of America, N.A. AccuWeather's proven superior accuracy means you'll be better informed and better prepared with precise local forecasts and severe weather alerts. You might think that all weather apps are the same, but in study after study, the superior accuracy of AccuWeather's forecasts and warnings have been proven in all categories. If you're going for a run, scheduling a trip, or stocking up before a storm, you want forecasts that are dependable and accurate so you can better plan ahead with peace of mind. Download the AccuWeather app, powered by superior accuracy, at the App Store or Google Play today. 
Hey, uh, we're going to go and see uh, the comedian Jeff Allen. October 6th at Impact Christian Church in Moon Township. Uh, we talked to Jeff. He's a very, very, very funny guy. And uh, as far as a date night or taking your kids out, it looks to be a fairly inexpensive evening. It really does. I would encourage you to go to online wordfm.com and uh, check out Jeff Allen. It's a Friday evening, so you can you know hang out, stay up, and not worry about you know, getting to work the next day. October 6th, 7 o'clock, Impact Christian Church. I love more than anything, and I bet you you do as well, sitting in a, a big room. We've not done this for a long time. You know, six, seven hundred people, everybody laughing together at one time. I know. I mean, that's such a good feeling. It really is. So, John and I will both be there. We look forward to you being there, too. Yep. Wordfm.com is the place to get your tickets. Very nice. Okay, uh, so our, our friends to the south, our Mexican neighbors, yesterday... I thought in, you meant South Hills. Oh, no. <laughs> Much further south. Um in front of the um, Mexican Congress, uh, they presented uh, two UFO experts, <laughs> alien bodies, like in a box, two separate boxes, and then they took off the lids, and there were these little tiny alien bodies. Wait, wait, wait. Let me back up. Before Congress. So alien experts brought these bodies up in boxes mm-hmm. in like paper in like cardboard boxes no like you know big metal boxes with lids on them and then they took the lids off and there were like these little aliens maybe a foot and a half or so maybe two feet long they kind of now to be honest they looked a little like et like smaller versions of et remember that movie were they skeletons or? no 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 they kind of looked like they were mummified alien bodies three-fingered hands Unknown DNA with egg <laughs> eggs inside of them were presented by these experts. Eggs inside of them. Mm-hmm. They were said to be non-humans found in Peru in a cave. Guess where? Said to be more than a thousand years old, and they were unveiled. Mm-hmm. Researchers made the extraordinary claim that the corpses, alien corpses. Presented in windowed boxes and supposedly covered from Cusco in Peru, were not part of our quote terrestrial evolution, with thirty percent of their genetic composition still unknown, according to Mexican media. Carbon dating by the National Autonomous University of Mexico found the bodies pictured with three fingered hands, <gasps> no teeth, and stesoscopic vision more than a thousand years old. Okay, wait. So uh, Gary has just brought these images into me. Mm-hmm. Now, they look... They do look slightly E.T.-ish, but they also... They can, also look fake. I mean, what do you think? I mean, if you present this to a scientific body, bring them to, you know, a university or a medical center, do Was well, that what they're trying to do? I, I have no idea. Okay, well, they definitely... Okay. <laughs> They definitely look like aliens, which makes me think that they're not really aliens, because what do we know? Why do the only reason I think they look like like aliens, they look like movies, right? A retractable neck and long skull show characteristics more typical of birds. They were also found to have strong, light bones and no teeth. Experts in the Congress showed apparent X-rays of the specimens and told people that one of them belongs. One of the beings carried eggs with embryos inside of them. Wait a minute. They so they one of them was pregnant, or they're yeah, just yeah. yeah one of them mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's crazy. Yesterday, U.S. and Mexican authorities appeared to present a, an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I mean... I mean, this is the first time anything like this has been presented, right? What do you think? Well, I'm looking at the pictures, and they look vaguely human because they have two eyes and nose and a mouth. Yeah, they look a little bit like E.T. Yeah, they do look they're like just E.T. Smaller they, versions of which ET. makes me think that they're fake. Because what are the chances that they're going to look like E.T. That an alien is really going to look like E.T. But you think these are people that are serious minded, they're scientific credentials. Like you know, it's not like you know E.T. Barnum, P.T. Barnum at a, at a circus, right? I don't know. Well, they're very, very, very small. Yeah. Like extremely small. Mm-hmm. Not that that means anything. I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, I uh, I just feel like if there really are aliens, they're not going to look like the movie creation that we've made of aliens. I guess, you know, you could do study and find out pretty quickly, right? With their paper mache, they're going to go, look, some kid made this in third grade art class. Anyway. Huh. Thanks for being with us. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. This is Seth Leibson of AM 960 The Patriot for townhall.com. The California legislature just passed a bill requiring that a child's choice of his or her gender identity. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.